Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 365. I'm in Salt Lake City right now. It's beautiful! And my face melts off. Uh, it's pretty rad here. Uh, the weather's great. I'm looking forward to the shows at uh, Wise Guys. There's no, you can't say it any other way. You have to say it. Wise Guys. I can say wise, and I can say guys. When I put it together, wise guys. Uh, hopefully the third time didn't annoy you. Mathematically, that's supposed to be the funniest time. Um, but uh, show's coming up at uh, Helium in, in Philly uh, in the next couple of weeks here in June, at the end of June, I think the 27th, 28th, and 29th. So uh, go to Helium's website or Nerdist.com slash calendar. Oh, and also come to see us uh, at the live podcast at San Diego Comic-Con. A lot of fun stuff we're doing. Nerdist is doing a Comic-Con and, and that I'm doing there. So uh, I will hopefully see you there uh, if you got in and then also found a place to stay. Why screw it? Sleep in your car. Who gives a shit? It's Comic Con, you know. Like it's only a couple of days. It's worth it. Um, and I would like to thank for this uh, sponsorship for this episode of the Nurse Podcast, Legal Zoom. Um, you know, uh, they're basically not just going to protect you with, you know, boring kind of legal stuff. But let's say you have an awesome idea as an inventor. You want to patent your idea. They will help you patent your idea. They're going to help you launch your dreams, secure a patent for your invention, register your trademark to protect your products and services. Just call or visit LegalZoom.com. They're going to take care of you from start to finish. And uh, it's uh, innovation. It is innovation, but with innovation, you need some legal protection, and LegalZoom will help you do that for a limited time. Get a special price on trademark, copyright, and patent applications using the referral code NERDIST at checkout. Protect your creations and launch your dream at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom can uh, provide self-help services at your specific direction, or they can connect you to an attorney, but they are not a law firm. Don't forget to use the referral code NERDIST, and uh, this episode of the NERDIST podcast is uh, my old, old friend, Jesse Thorne, who... He might have been the first podcast I was ever even a guest on, Jesse Thorne, ages ago, The Sound of Young America, and then, of course, Jordan Jesse Go, and uh, now it's Bullseye uh, through National Public Radio and, uh, and also the Bullseye Podcast. And go to MaximumFun.org to find out all the things that Jesse Thorne is up to, uh, or follow him, Jesse Thorne, on Twitter, J-E-S-S-E-T-H-O-R-N, uh, or Bullseye. He's at Bullseye on Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, this is one of those situations where... I really should have had him on years ago, and I didn't. Uh, but now we did. So it's all fine now. You know, the years, like my father says, the, the, the months turn into days, and the years turn into months. It goes by so fast. My father does not have this accent, but this is how I'm representing him uh, right now for the Nerdist Podcast number 365. This is Billy Hardwick, professional bowler. Now I just sound like Eddie Pepitone. Weird. Eddie Pepitone looks like what I would imagine my dad would look like if I didn't know him. Now entering Nerdist.com America's radio and podcast, sweetheart. Hi, sir. And here comes Jonah Ray. Please start without me. <laughs> we just sat down. We just sat down. Hi, Jonah Ray. I just had enough time to introduce. And just sit on. That's usually the part I. Do you guys sing beautiful songs with all your guests' names? Nope. Just you. 
Thank you. Just America's Radio Sweetheart. Thanks, guys. How many shows are you doing now? There's Bullseye, Jordan, Jesse, Go. Yeah, National Public Radio Program, Bullseye. Mm-hmm. Comedy Program, Jordan, Jesse, Go. Sidekick on Judge John Hodgman. Mm-hmm. Menswear video web series, put this on. Mm-hmm. Uh, international quiz show, International Waters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it, right? Am I missing anything? You guys probably know better than I. Check no, your notes. No, probably not. Probably <laughs> what not. What notes? I'm the worst. Do you do notes? You never do. You don't do notes on your show, do you? No, I don't have. I don't usually have notes. I'll, I'll have a list of if we're if we have clips for a guest from Bullseye. I'll have notes, but generally speaking, I don't have notes. I'll have I'll have a list of like the songs we have a clip from or the scenes that we can play a little bit of or whatever. Now I'm trying to remember how I first met you, but I believe. That it was probably around the year 2005. Earlier. Was it earlier? I'm going to say 2000, because I was still in college. And I graduated from college in uh, 2003. So I'm going to go with we met in 2002 or three. 2002 or three. Uh, so oh, maybe that was, maybe that had to do, maybe Furman and I came on and did a hard and firm something or other. The with two you. of you guys, you well, I think you were guests on the show first, or you were a guest on the show, Chris. And you and Mike drove up to Santa Cruz to do a benefit show for my college radio station. Uh, that's right. And I remember thinking, why does Chris Hardwick drive a BMW 500 miles to do a free gig? And I remembered you got the BMW because of um, shipmates. Uh, that's not true. No? It was a Mercedes. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shipmates was a good job, but it was really nice of you to to of the two of you to come up. I mean, you were working for free. I, we paid your gas money or something. Yeah, that was out fun. of college radio station that budget. Was fun. But it was a benefit for the college radio station. It was really nice of you guys. And we raised to mill to to mill one point five. One point five. One point five. I don't mean to disappoint you. One point five hundred. Yes, one point five hundred. We sold we sold out Kresge Town Hall at UC Santa Cruz. I think we probably sold three hundred tickets. I'm going to start using that as a term. One point five hundred. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a, a fifteen hundred. I thought you were, no, you no, were going to start using cents. that you sold out Kresge Town Hall, like on your on your resume or did in your we, reel. Did we did we stalk Tom Lair at any point, or was he not there? There was a lot of Tom Lair talk, but he wasn't around. I did take a class from Tom Lair. You took a class from the great Tom Lair. I did. It was great. He it was an American musical theater class. It was taught by him and two other emeritus professors. I mean, he's eighty ish now, but he this was ten years ago. He was still seventy ish. And the three professors, one of them was an American studies professor, Tom Lehrer was a math professor, and uh, the other was a French professor, just mocked each other the whole time while one of them was trying to talk about light opera or whatever in the history of musical theater. The other two would basically be heckling that one. I wish there was video of that, of every fucking class. And he is a really funny man. And the only, basically the only songwriters that he has any respect for since... Roughly 1960. Can I take a guess? Yeah. Oh, wait. You mean songwriters that have come since 1960 or yeah. songwriters? Songwriters period? since 1960. Oh, I don't know. I was going to say Gilbert and Sullivan first. No, but you could probably, I bet you could, if you put your mind to it between the two of you, they you could probably. No, nothing might be. Ju- We're talking about Dylan. Tom Dylan? No, not Dylan. Absolutely not. Dylan. Uh, songwriters. Songwriters since 1960. Songwriters since 1960. Wait, they might be giants don't write songs? <laughs> In trying to insult they might be giants. I'm just saying it's not something that Tom Lair would be into. Is it gonna be something but they like him so much? I'm sure they do, and they're really nice guys and they make great music. Is it they a cover curveball? his they cover his song? I'm not trying to like impugn the romantics, or is it gonna be No, a... it's uh I'll Debo. tell you what it is. It's Stephen Sondheim okay. and Randy Newman. Oh, oh okay. Randy Newman. Right? It makes sense. Stephen Sondheim and Randy Newman. Who else would it be? Yeah, Harry Nelson. Maybe you could see Harry Nilsson. But he likes, what what Tom Lair likes, as you can hear in his songs, is he likes a really, really complicated rhyme scheme. And that's what Stephen Sondheim is. He's and then the he, best rhymer ever, Tom he Lair. Is, he is the, and certainly, I mean, undoubtedly, I, I, Sondheim would give him a run for his money, but uh, Tom Lair is definitely the best joke rhymer. There's no doubt that if you want to rhyme as the punchline to a joke where the joke is, I can't you can't believe what I just thought of that rhymes with the first thing that I said, um, then you're going to want to go with Tom Lair. Or I guess Wayne Brady on whose line is it anyway. <laughs> hey, that guy can come up with stuff real fast. Yeah. Let's and see. he's so, so handsome. He just seems like a nice man. 
Yeah, he does. He had this. Uh, I remember during the uh, Super Deluxe days, he had this idea he wanted to do it for a uh, web series where it's uh, it's the Wayne Brady show, and he uh, he goes to like a restaurant of some sort, and he waits for somebody to recognize him for you know being the sing songy Wayne Brady he is. Sure. And then like if someone recognizes him, they ask him, he'll go, "Oh yeah, it's me." And then he just kind of starts singing and singing about stuff and like joking around with him. And then he just keeps on doing it, and it's all like an endurance test to see how long people will put up with Wayne Brady. <laughs> a pretty solid pitch, Wayne Brady. Yeah, I think now that's I'm an just, amazing. Now I'm just thinking about Vatican Rag, uh-huh. where Tom, where Tom Lewis says, uh, Getting dramatic get in and... line in that processional, step into the small confessional, they're the guy who's got religion, I'll tell you if your sin's original. Like, that's fucking amazing. Isn't that the one where, where there's a, one of the one of the lines ends, and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. genuflect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, here's the First, you. Um, if you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? I'm <laughs> putting on the Ritz. Uh, I will say though, I, Tom Lehrer was a really great professor, and he's very deeply misanthropic. But he uh, kindly allowed me to make announcements about my college radio show uh, in class. Wow! What? He would always complain about it after he had allowed me to do it. Did he ever? Uh, but I would hear? raise my hand and say, you know, like Chris Hardwick is going to be on my show this week. You might know him from Shipmates. And, um, and then- oh yes, Tom's favorite show, <laughs> Shipmates. <laughs> he did well. He did. He he he. He always told me. He and I were very close when I was in the class. He always told me that he thought that uh, Blind Date lacked uh, maritime element. <laughs> <laughs> what if they put that out on the sea? Exactly. Oh, it starts at uh, first. You get down on your knees, fiddle with your rosaries, bow your head with great respect, and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. There you go. It's it's a classic. That's so fantastic that you had a relationship with Tom Lair. He's one of those guys I've many times on the podcast I've said, I'm just going to call him because he's listed. I'm just going to call him and talk to him, and I never do because I'm horrified that I'm going to – it's going to take too long. A friend of mine in college um, went – called him in the phone book and went over to his house. Just said, hey, can I come over to your house? Wow. (laughs) He was like, okay. Yeah. It was it was that kind of chutzpah that got that guy that particular friend from college a million dollars on the Amazing Race. Oh, wow. what what a unexpected bow yeah. on the end of that story. Yeah. But then, so that that was a connection that we had, and then SF Sketchfest was another connection. Yeah. When I first started doing Sketchfest in two thousand five, I worked there, and you worked there, and have done it every year since. Um, that. Uh, that was right when you were coming. That was just after you had come out of college, and then you were so I was desperately unemployed, <laughs> which is why I was working uh, for like in, for a two month stretch at a sketch comedy festival. But they, you know, sometimes people say to me, "Hey, Chris Hardwick, you kind of made your own thing," and then I, I could easily say, "Yeah, but Jesse Thorne did that first. Yeah, now you, look at you, all the television shows I host. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you no, you have to start hosting shows first, and right. then do podcasts. Gotcha, and then get more shows. Is you that how what, it works? That's how you did it, I guess. You I know did. why I think all my television shows have been canceled so quickly? And by all of them, I mean two, the two that I've because you, you try to fit the word cunt into everything. No, I think it's because no maritime element. No maritime element. <laughs> What was the one? Was it the Grid? Yeah, the Grid on IFC. I thought that was the uh, the worst name for a show. <laughs> the Gay Retentive Infectious Disease Show <laughs> didn't work. No, it's not a good name for a show. You would have preferred it was called the Chud, the AIDS, <laughs> Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, maybe maybe it's time for you to pitch the a Chuds maritime show. Me. You know what? I am I'm doing a cruise in the fall. America's Party Maritime Biz. Sweetheart. Yeah, let's there do this. There is no Maritime Sweetheart right now. That's a really good point. A lot, All of our sweethearts are landbound. Maybe your show needs to be on a boat. Uh-huh. It's maritime law. Right. And so you can gamble and shoot people and you know whatever it is. I think we're going to, you know, John Hodgman's coming on the cruise. I think he and I are probably going to do a Judge John Hodgman, inter- whatever that's called, International Waters Edition. Why don't oh, nice. you guys... Uh, Take over other vessels. It could literally be pirate radio. You could wow. you could do pirate radio with actual pirates. That's a great idea. I'm telling Somalia, you, Somalia, here I come. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this, Chris. <laughs> well, that was 2005, and I can't remember. Was the NPR? How did you get involved with? with I National so Public I, radio? the show that you were on when I was still in college in 2002 or 2001 or something like that. 
Um, I just kept doing it after I graduated from college. It was called The Sound of Young America. And I was living in San Francisco, which is where I'm from, and driving back and forth to Santa Cruz. Which is what, five, ten minutes? <laughs> so you're looking at 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. 75 if you really haul ass over That's the mountain. It's a mountains. dangerous drive, too. It is a terrifying one, one drive. One of the most uh, dangerous highways in America. It, it's it's horrifying. And, um, and so I was driving back and forth, and... At some point, podcasting, late to 2004, podcasting got invented. I graduated from college 2003. 2004, podcasting got invented. I started podcasting at the very end of 2004. Um, and I got a little bit of attention from that. And I moved from my college radio station to the local public radio station in Santa Cruz. Somebody just heard me on college radio and recommended me to the local NPR station. And then about a year after that, I signed up with Public Radio International. And at the, right around that same time, actually, John Hodgman was on my show. And at this point, I had sold my car and used the money to buy equipment to do the show for my house. Because the big difference for me functionally between the local NPR station in Santa Cruz and the college radio station in Santa Cruz was that at the college radio station, there were no board operators. So if I wanted to have a show, I had to make it bring it down to Santa Cruz, put the CD in the CD player, press play, and like make sure that there weren't any emergency alerts for the hour that the show was running. <laughs> Whereas the other station, they had a board op, so I could just email them the show. Or actually, I think at the beginning, I may have literally mailed them the show. But um, On a giant hard drive, you just yeah, mailed in a tower <laughs> computer? Exactly. I sent them a, a, a giant Rio MP3 player. <laughs> um, in the Aug Vorbis format for podcasting? You got it. And, um, and so, yeah, and so like 2005, Hodgman was on my show for his first book. Right before, he was not a famous person at the time. I think people forget that like what happened is he came out with his first book. He went on The Daily Show as a guest. And at that time, he was, you know, in his 30s. He was had been a literary agent, mm -hmm. um, and he was just sort of a, a McSweeney's guy. He went on The Daily Show. They liked him so much that they asked him to be a correspondent on The Daily Show. Like, he went on The Daily Show as a guest. They asked him to be a correspondent on The Daily Show based on that, and also based on that, he got the Mac versus PC ads. So he became a famous person, and I sort of became his... Um, his good luck charm because he went on my show right before all this happened. And he recommended me to WNYC in New York, which is a big uh, NPR station in New York. And they called and said, would you be interested in having us run, you know, a five episode best of on Sunday evenings? And I was like, uh, yes, WNYC in New York, of course. And uh, right around then I signed with PRI. So that was sort of the beginning of my public radio experience i think in 2006 maybe and does it did was it um expanded to because I, I imagine it sort of works like syndicated radio right like each market sort of decides what programs they're going to pull in yeah exactly so you get <laughs> you get distribution and and, sh and stations won't look at stuff that that's not with one of the big networks mostly but you get distribution i i remember the moment that i got my first like pro revenue projection and over on in the fifth year, which was the biggest revenue, obviously, of our five year deal, uh, the projected revenue was like twenty one thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I really chose the wrong career. Um, but yeah, every station, every station picks decides what show. I mean, even now, um, you know, we're with NPR now, and I have to, you know, the, the people there's there are people at NBR whose job it is to call a station and say, hey, would you give a listen to Bullseye with Jesse Thorne? Would you be willing to carry it on your station? And I would uh, imagine that there are people who have been with you from the beginning. Well, I the beginning it was just me. I mean, until I mean, listeners. Th oh, listeners. Yeah, we there's this there's this nice lady named Sally Gray who emails me once in a while. Oh, Sasha Gray's mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you would know her, yes. Yeah. Um, and she, um, she, there's a once in a while, get an email from somebody who lived in Santa Cruz when we were in college and has been listening continuously for the last 10 years or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, I loved the Extreme Weatherman, which was a character that uh, Jordan used to do on the show, which was at the time everything was extreme. This is before. At this point, extreme is forgotten, and it, at a point in between, it became cliche. But it was very fresh 11 years ago, and the extreme weatherman would just yell extreme stuff, but with the actual weather report. Oh, nice. And we'll get an email about something like that, like, you know, every six months, somebody will be like, oh, I went to UCSC, or I used to live in Santa Cruz. But we were, we were I mean, for a college radio show, we were reasonably popular. One time we got recognized on the bus by our voices. Oh, wow. 
the guy was like, he turned around. It was me and Jordan and Gene who were the original hosts of the show. And he turned around and said, hey, guys, are you the sound of young America? And we were like, holy <laughs> shit. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. And we're like, yes. And he's like, I listen every week. And uh, we're like, oh, my God, that is so amazing. Like, we, we do the show every week. Did you <laughs> have like, him on the show? It was so great. And he so we, he said, we said, are you you're a big fan of the show? And he says, yeah, I'm a big fan of the show. He said, are you a big fan of KZSC? And he's like, it's the only radio station we, I listen to. And we're like, that is so great. And he says, I'm homeless and my radio's broken. So it's the <laughs> only station I get. Ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> it was great. You know, the homeless demo, <laughs> don't underestimate it. <laughs> <laughs> I shan't. <laughs> so that was uh, so Jordan. Jordan. Jordan graduated from school the year after I did, and came down here to work in TV production, and you know, which he still does. And um, Jordan and Morris. Jordan Morris. That's his name. That's when I met him. When he Boy came detective. Yeah, you got it. So, yeah. So I mean, it's it's been. And I started other podcasts right around the time, you know, right at the beginning of two thousand five ish. We did a show with a great sketch group from San Francisco. 2005-ish Finkel? Casper Hauser. Yeah. Casper Hauser great. Casper they, they just sent me their new book, which oh, I have, so I have yet funny. to open. But it is so funny. But Sky Mall is... The funniest book ever. Page after Literally page. Literally the funniest book Casper ever. Casper Hauser is, if for people who aren't familiar, is probably one of the... I would say one of the top five sketch groups... Yeah. In the history of sketch comedy. I one time I had Graham Linehan on my show who created Father yeah, Ted. Yeah, I know and, who Graham is. Um and, well, the listener might not know who Graham Linehan is. I don't give a and shit. I, I know. I know. I know. And you know, this is a guy that lives six thousand miles away from me in England, right? Yeah, I know that too. And he says <laughs> and he said, Are you do you know Casper Hauser? And I was like, Yeah, they're my friends. And he said, Oh my god. Can you can you introduce me to Casper Hauser? They may, they might be the funniest people in the world. They are fucking unreal. I mean, first of all, their new book by the way is called Get Your MBA on the Toilet. <laughs> 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 it is the craziest. <laughs> like the thing about these guys is they'll come up with a book pitch. They all live in San Francisco. They don't tour doing sketch comedy basically because one of them's a doctor, one of them's a federal public defender, one of them's a professor at Stanford. Well, the other one's also a college professor. So and two have, of them are twins, by the way. Yes. There's a pair of twins. Yes. And they all have these amazing jobs. So it's not really their number one priority to make a living in television. Also, they're way too amazing to, to ever make a living in television. And um, they <laughs> so they write these books. But they, what happened is they came up with this idea for a book, which is get your MBA on the toilet. And humor books sell based on just what's on the cover. Mm -hmm. There's no fans of humor books. It's just whoever's in a bookstore, needs a book as a gift, sees the cover, goes, my friend's getting an MBA. <laughs> and so you can sell a humor book based on that. And what's great is they take that and then the book is fucking insane. I mean, it is amazing. They, there's, right now, they're sending out to people who buy the book. I, this may be done by now, but they're sending out a, a wearable diploma to people. <laughs> who, who, and the wearable diploma is just this crazy, like, devil cow mask that also says MBA at the top of it. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I loved... I mean, if... Sky trying to explain what's in Sky Mall is like trying to describe Far Side cartoons. Like you just have to see it. Mm, yeah. But that one shot of a little kid playing with hornets and they're referred to as sky monkeys fucking <laughs> <laughs> obliterated me. I often think of I oft really often think about there's a picture of like a dad with his hand on a little boy's back and the little boy is pointing up at a world map. And then the product name is Nazi Grandpa Locator. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. They did a thing at Sketchfest a couple years ago where they read the correspondence with the guy who was trying oh, to They get... did that on our show one time. They did. It was did. amazing. With a Nigerian scammer. With a Nigerian scammer. And just... <laughs> <laughs> that they really engaged the guy and they fucking drove him crazy. Yeah. And, it and it's weird. To, I mean, it's like, it's that kind of weird where they don't like it unless it gets a, a little bit upsetting. Like just a little, not a lot, but just, it's just odd enough 
that it makes you a little uncomfortable in addition to being the funniest thing ever. And not in the sense of being edgy, you know, like, oh, in your face, we're telling the truth, but just weird and off. Just something uncomfortable about it, like the creepy devil bull mask. <laughs> like, that's just a um, thing that would make you. But I talk sometimes the people who love Casper Hauser and come up to me and talk to me about Casper Hauser are my favorite people. Like, Pat Oswalt loves his big Casper Hauser booster, Graham Linnett. Like, people will just come up and say, You know, Casper Hauser, because they're like secret dudes that live in San Francisco having yeah. these straight laced professional lives. But, I, but then I didn't write, know that about but, them. But then write Spicy Ponyhead. Yeah. Oh, the greatest sketch of all time. Google Spicy Ponyhead right now and watch it. <laughs> Don't watch. There's a version that's like college kids performing it in their college talent show. Don't watch that. Yeah, but they, but, but they really are like those guys. They're the guys that if I had been in, in grade school or high school and they were the seniors, I would have never left. I, I would have been the annoying, like, what are we going to do now? Like, I never would have left those That's basically guys who I am. I mean, that has been my life. Basically, Casper Hauser actually came on The Sound of Young America in, you know, 2003, 2002, 2003, something like that. And we, me and Jordan went up to San Francisco for their show from Santa Cruz. And I remember just watching that show and thinking, holy fucking shit. That was the best comedy show I've seen in my entire life, including every, you know, I'd seen many brilliant, com- I mean, you know, David Cross and Jimmy Pardo and lots of amazing comedy shows. But I was like, what the fuck is that doing in San Francisco? <laughs> and I say this as a native San Franciscan, like, how are these people not the kids in the hall? This is the most, and they came on our show and in an effort to impress them, we played during the interview, like in breaks little bits that we'd recorded for the show, you know, like little fake public service announcements and stuff like that. And in a break, James James Richmond from Casper Hauser turned to us and said, so do you guys do sketch comedy? And Jordan said yes, which was not true. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to impress them. And, but we wanted to impress them, and they said, we'll get you a gig. And uh, we, I mean, we, Jordan and I were in a sketch comedy group that, you know, we toured for four years or something like mm-hmm. that out of college, and it was just because... We had lied to them and told them that we had a sketch comedy group. And so they and booked really us. committed. Yeah, they booked us a gig. And so we had to write material for the gig and get other people to be in this sketch comedy group that we had lied about. Oh, that's right. Because you performed at Sketchfest. Yeah, we year. performed you, Jordan, who else several times that? at Sketchfest. Who else was in that? Uh, it was the other two people were, are not comedy people. One of them, Lauren Pasternak, is a uh, an assistant director and runs a restaurant in. Um, in Austin, and one of them, Jim Rayal, who actually sometimes a regular, he's a regular guest on Jordan Jesse Go as the master of Would You Rather. He uh, he is a scientist in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Wow. He studies laser microscopes or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, does he use them in his research, or he actually studies the microscopes? I don't know, Chris. No? I'm sorry, I didn't bring the heat on the Nerdist, but <laughs> I I would say you didn't bring the heat for your friend. Jim is a. I don't know. I'll be when I see Jim. I saw him a couple of weeks ago. I said, "Hey, Jim, what's up with lasers?" And he told me some shit about lasers. And I was like, "Great, keep up the good work." Well, there's slight amplifications, the simulation. Yeah. Well, it's, a real, it's a real short interaction between it's you like and this. a friend. This is like what it's like, Chris. Like a laser. Do you, if you ever had a friend who said to you, hey, how's what's up with uh, bowling these days? And you say a bunch of bowling stuff, and they'd be like, oh, awesome. No, that's never happened because I'm, no working, one ever on says new, awesome. I'm working on a new game called Improv Denial. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's it's no but. Uh-huh. Sure. No, but I'm not, I don't have a thing. Right. Anyway, so so long long story, very short. Started podcasting at the beginning of podcasting, and then, you know, three years ago, figured out how to make a living. It, it took that long. It took, yeah, it, I mean, I didn't. I haven't had a job since I left San Francisco, like a job job. Yeah. But so that's like five or six years. But I was making the first three years of that. I mean, I was making twelve thousand dollars a year. But your listeners, because you would do these membership, basically these 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 listener audience drives, still do like like very much like public radio, mm-hmm. and people were very supportive. And I remember coming to your place one time where it was just boxes of swag that you were packing up to give to people of Sound Young America. So I think I actually still have my Sound Young America T-shirt. No, and um, and it was a pretty it was a pretty cool like that's where I that's where I, it was actually you where I first saw in real life sort of crowdsourcing in action and this was 
Uh, probably oh six, maybe oh seven, like like back we, then. We have been at the cutting edge of how to barely make a living at creative <laughs> work. <laughs> like I, how to barely make a living is a great book title, by the way. I we kickstarted the the pilot episode of um, put this on my menswear series when Kickstarter was still in beta. Is that a Benjamin Bixby mm. shirt you're wearing? Uh, yes, it is. I like their stuff. Good work, yeah. They're... I recognize the little hot air balloon logo. Yeah, it's a it's a sad sad thing that they that they bit the bullet. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they did. So we we were trying to get Andre. Andre, this is a clothing line designed by Andre Three Thousand, um, and we were trying to get him on the show uh, when when they finally decided that they had actually given up. Ah, oh, that's too bad. It's too bad. It was a really. I mean, I wouldn't. It, far be it from me to promote a clothing line designed by a rapper, but it was a really exceptional. <laughs> As much as I love both clothing and rappers, um, but it was a really exceptional thing, yeah. And yet, Sean John lives in airports <laughs> now. <know>. Yeah. <laughs> Benjamin Bixby went the way. It's like the the balloon floated away. Yeah. Um, when was the Max FunCon that we, Mike and I did? Was that the first one? I think that was the first Max FunCon. Yeah. Max FunCon, which is a uh, essentially, I wouldn't even call it a convention. It's sort of like a. F- uh, like a, a retreat? A retreat. It's a re- it's a comedy retreat where there's a limited number of spaces, and it's up in Lake Arrowhead. Yeah. And it's at this kind of compound that I believe UCLA owns. Yeah. And people pay to go. Essentially, it's super interactive. It's a genius idea. Uh, and you have comedy shows, but then during the day, you have workshops. Yeah, like classes, like classes. songwriting classes. We Actually, it's coming up this weekend. Um, this coming weekend, which it will be number five, I think. Wow! And um, and like the one of the classes is uh, Penn Ward, who makes Adventure Time, yes. really wonderful TV show. Is gonna he pitched me this idea? I was like, Penn, you should come to Max FunCon. He's like, okay, but this is what I want to do. Just so you know, I want to make a stop motion movie with a bunch of people who a bunch of attendees dressed up in superhero costumes, and it's just a giant superhero battle. You and told it, him no, right? Because that's I said. I said, let's start making superhero <laughs> costumes. <laughs> that sounds great. It's going to be amazing. The, the, the year that we were there it was Mike Furman and myself, and uh, Maria Bamford and yeah. Hodgman and Colt Jonathan Colton. Tig was there. Tig was there, and that is the first time. And I've I've referenced it a few times on the podcast where um, we sat in Hodgman's bungalow until three or four in the morning, coming up with movie titles that sounded like shitting, and and. <laughs> And 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 that's when like it was so mind blowing to be with a handful of some of the smartest people that I could think of with Colton and and uh, and yourself and and Hodgman and Scott Simpson yeah um, and uh, and Furman and and just you know all night long <coughs> coming up with these with these shit titles yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty I mean when I go. I don't have to be in charge of everything that's happening anymore because we have like an event events director now. So when I go, I can just like look around and be like, "Man, this is cool this thing." And the, I remember the that very first year, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what it would be. You know what I mean? Like I had this I, I had this goal for it, but you just feel it like when you're there. I mean, you know what that feeling's like because you were there. Like it is an amazing place because everyone is on equal footing. Everyone is there because they love to laugh and they love to think and they love to make things. And everyone is everyone is supporting each other. Like our our fans are incredibly pleasant people. Like we just have really really nice. We alien we we alienate uh, jerky people, which well, is a problem like, for our business, but good for but we <laughs> good do, for our we gatherings. Do the same thing. We go to shows like everyone, and the venues always say like, "You guys have like the nicest." I know they, yeah. everyone lines up in an orderly fashion. No one starts any shit. Everyone's pleasant. But Max Funcon, the, the what's what's gorgeous about it as a concept is, as long as you keep it at that retreat, it's never going to get too big. Yeah, because it and and that that keeps it very <laughs> I'll special. Never have to worry about getting rich. <laughs> But, but, a hassle. But, but the idea that that everyone, you know, uh, unlike um, like a traditional con where yeah. it, there's just so many people that it's not, it, you're constantly 
hanging out with people and interacting and seeing people in the lunchroom. Well, one of the models that that I had in mind, I mean, it's funny, like we thought we should do something in real life. And I was looking at places where we could get an affordable conference convention festival thing together. And I was at UCLA on the campus of UCLA. And I was thinking like, this is so lame. Like, what is this going to be on the campus of UCLA? Just people sleeping in dorm rooms. And this is nothing. And they said, have you looked at Lake Arrowhead? And I went up there and I was like, oh, yes, this is exactly what it is. It's summer camp. Because the thing that's, I don't know, did either of you guys go to summer camp? Sure. No. Like, I'm not a very outdoorsy person, but I did go to, um, <laughs> to say the very least. But uh, I did go to summer camp a couple of years. And the thing about summer camp that's special isn't necessarily the, like, fact that you're kayaking or whatever. It's that you, It's that it's a special secret world that belongs to you where everyone is friends that you get to go back and visit. And it has its own special rituals and its own spe- – it's a, just a special place. It's that, a flash community. Yes, exactly. And, and, and it's something that – and it's a community that really means something to the people who are there. And, you know, like I have, a, I have, a, I have friends, um, especially friends who went to Jewish uh, summer camp, who still talk about their summer camp all the time hmm. as though it's an important part of their life as a 31-year-old. <laughs> well, and, and that is what I want. That's what I, as soon as I got up there, I'm like, that's what I want Max Funcon to feel like. Like, I don't need everyone to be sleeping. Like, I want everyone to have their own bedroom. But besides that, <laughs> I want that feeling of a super special secret place that you get to go to once a year and you get to see your summer camp buddies and be in this special world. Oh, Merlin Mann was there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Who I adore. Merlin's there. Merlin's a delight. I adore Merlin. Yeah. He is also he is one of those guys like uh the Casper Hauser guys where you talk to him and you go, This is one of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my life. Yeah. I don't know how I'm gonna keep this conversation ball in the air because they're going to realize that they are way above <laughs> Where I am. And Merlin is, unlike the Casper Hauser guys, Merlin's Merlin's pretty manic. So trying to like, hang, just trying to hang in there with Merlin when he starts talking is not that he's not a listener or anything. It's just that he's so smart and has so many thoughts going through his head and he's expressing them all perfectly to you. And you're just like, <laughs> smartness rays. <laughs> <laughs> Must absorb. You're sort of like the Maxell tape guy. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. The perfect... <laughs> yep, you're in the chair. Yeah. And you grab the martini. I'm just going to describe the poster. Yeah. Um, uh, Furman and I almost died i feel like getting to max funk on that year because <laughs> we we got there the first night and driving up to lake arrowhead uh fog bank fog bank no guardrails that i remember oh, no way so there's a terrifying mountain pass and yes. if you go before 4 p.m you're fine if you go after 4 p.m like we learned this the first year and now we tell everybody just really try and get there in daylight and like get there ahead of but this this fog rolls into the mountain. The mountain is horrifying. No guardrails. And it's one of those things where you're going along the edge of a mountain and just to the right of you is just death. Death. Yeah. Just death. It was so bad that Furman got out of the car and walked in front of it. And I drove at like a mile an hour <laughs> because we couldn't – you couldn't see in front uh. of any – and it was just and, – and so he basically led me like a pack animal – in the car up the mountain, and then we finally made it, and uh, and I think you know you guys rushed, just like went straight on stage, went and straight killed. on stage, I'm, just I went destroyed. straight on stage and did, did stand up, and uh, um, but also but the activities, and I remember doing a show outside, and it was gorgeous, and it was such it's just a great experience. That sounds great. Yeah, Jordan's always said great things about it. Well, Jordan's probably saying great things about it because he always gets laid. Oh, really? <laughs> if you if you're Jordan Morris and you want to get laid, like Max Fun Con is like the most optimal conditions. <laughs> Do you make uh, everyone is happy, everyone is drunk, and everyone is a huge fan of Jordan Morris there? Uh, <laughs> can I make a recommendation for yeah. this year? Max Fun Condoms. Hey. We're way ahead of you. We have condoms in our, in fact, not only do we have condoms in our bag every year, which are donated to us by uh, the folks at uh, Planned Parenthood of the Gulf Coast in Texas. One of our listeners is a, a regular volunteer there and got, gets us condoms every year. But this year is our first year. We will have our own Max Fun branded lubricant, personal lubricant. Oh, wow. What, what, every what attendee. What goes into it? Lubricants, ingredients. So you don't really know what goes into the thing that your namesake is 
I mean, presumably science goes into it. Have do you, you tried do, it? Do, 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 you, do you understand that? Can you vouch for this? Yes, I'm not a virgin. Do you know? <laughs> I'm not saying you I'm are. I'm a married man. I'm sure you are. My wife and I share our love regularly. Do you understand okay. that? If the, that's what you're implying, the that name we don't of, share our the love. The name of I every one of your shows would make a good name for a lube. Bullseye, <laughs> Jordan, Jesse, Go. <laughs> Maybe not the sound of young America, but <laughs> well, no, actually, I kind of feel like. Do you think? Do you think maybe that fucking Jordan could be part of a premium package? <laughs> that people are like, and if you pay fifty dollars more, you get to fuck Jordan Morris. Well, one year in the one year in the Max Fun Drive, Jordan announced that a certain level was the Jordan's Platinum Angels level. <laughs> And so I think if you're a Jordan's Platinum Angel, you may be allowed to fuck Jordan. <laughs> Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just, he won't leave. Like, th there would be N number of people that would just keep him occupied the entire time. You'd never see him. You're talking about sexually occupied? Yes, I think that like a I, I Like think a Roman emperor? Yes, that would no. end up being like a curse. Like he's just leaned back on a divan and somebody's <laughs> feeding him a grape while someone yes, else tickles his balls. he's some sort yeah. of weird cock Nero. He is. At Max Frencon, that's that's Jordan's world. I've I've always I've been married the whole time of Max Funcon, so I've never and happily married, but I, I've never um I, I've never indulged in those activities. But if you're Jordan, you're a single guy on the prowl. Then Max Funcon is basically a sex pen. It's madness. Because here's another thing on Jordan's Funcon. On Jordan Jesse Go, one of the things that Jordan keeps coming back to is secret sex parties which is this theory that he has that all events where people come together based on a shared interest have afterwards a secret sex party and he'd like to be invited to that <laughs> and so and so we've confirmed a number of secret sex parties like uh civil war reenactor sex secret sex That's parties kind of, yeah um you know renaissance fair secret sex parties yes uh sex Party secret sex parties. So there are yeah. secret sex parties. There's an orgy, in, and then there's a sub orgy, there's a sub -orgy. like yeah, an after a secret, party. I, that's a secret cuddle party. Yeah. yeah, and um, and so this is like a documented interest of Jordan's. So just as like I've talked a lot about my interest in donks, which are miniature donkeys, mm -hmm. um, and so people will <laughs> wait. What? Whenever you can't just gloss over that. Ever since, ever since we we did a show in college where I found out about donks, someone told me about donks. This is sort of relatively early. This is like a GeoCities website, internet, and I found out about donks, and I started going to donk websites. And so let it we, out. It's good. You need. We to talk set up about a it. quiz show. Well, number one, I mean, you know how cute, how cute and funny donkeys are because yeah. they're like, Mah. you know what I mean. Imagine that, but it's but it's like the size of a large dog. And it's just going around. And there's people who breed these. They're not good for anything. You could get a mini horse, but you're not. You're getting the weird, angry animal version of a horse. It's great. I mean, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I prefer it to horses by far. I just think it's great that someone breeds these. And so we did a quiz show that was on The Sound of Young America when we were in college that was rock and roll donks versus country music donks. These were two donk farms. And we didn't tell either of them they were going to be in a quiz show, and they but they were honky they, donks. No, just just country music donks. They had George Jones donk. I remember <laughs> Winona donk. Um, <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was so fun. So anyway, people will come up to me anytime anything is in the news about any kind of miniature animal, especially donks, but also mini goats, mini horses, whatever. How I'll, often does this happen? Very often, people will email me about it. So if something, I don't need a Google Alerts because our listener base is my Google Alerts about mini animals. And it's the same thing with Jordan about secret sex parties. Like, or if I'm in a show, people will come up to me and somebody has a donk. We've had a few listeners who've, who've had donks. <laughs> they come up to me and talk to me, talk donks with me. And what about a donk sex party? No. What? Wait, get your mind out of the Tijuana gutter. I am merging the both of your interests. The mini Tijuana mini that gutter. You could, yes. Small gutter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and so and so people will people feel like they have they have license to come up to I mean as I'm sure people come up to you and talk to you about Doctor Who, right? Sure. Chris? So just as people come up to you and talk to you about Doctor Who, people come up to Jordan and talk to him about secret sex parties. 
Wow. It's worked exceptionally well. Jordan definitely gets invited. Jordan has an open invitation to a to a weekly orgy in uh, the Pacific Northwest. So that he he's just a he's he's just a a, a quick two hour flight away weekly. Yeah. yeah. From a, a sex party, yeah. I don't think I would do well at a sex party. I the concept of it is just too. And I think most guys, you know, I think as guys, you probably go, yeah, that'd be fucking sweet. But then if you really think about the logistics of it, I think it's overwhelming and weird. And yeah. you, most people would probably be like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Well, that's why you want the shared interest to kind of lube things up. You know, if everybody's there for the such and such conference, you know what I mean? Everybody's already on board. You've already got to know everybody. And then, you know, you just start taking off your tops and see what happens. I don't know, because, you know, everyone that goes to a dance, it's still it's hard to ask a girl to dance. Yeah, but you're not, but you then you get drunk, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Right? Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Harder to ask someone yeah, to dance. Yeah, but when I get drunk, I start you. dancing by myself and then wait for someone to join in. And that usually happens. I can't imagine that happening at a sex party if I just start jerking off in the middle of the room and hoping a girl comes over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You might be You might be surprised. Yeah. It depends on how elegant you are. Mm, very elegant. I do the old Frenchman's tug. <laughs> sure. Don't cheapen it. Don't cheapen it. I, I love <laughs> I love the idea that there's this that Max Funcon is like an Othello piece mm-hmm. where it's at, at a certain time it just flips and becomes really dark. Well, no, there's no darkness. That's what's so great about it. It's so warm and happy. Like that's why the our crew our cruise boatparty.biz um is going to be so great. It's because it's like perfectly like you're already you're already in a sort of bacchanalian mindset on a cruise because there's as many shrimp as you want. But we're back to maritime law. Yes, exactly. And, right, exactly. As much honeydew as you want, um, if I'm remembering that episode of The Simpsons correctly. And, um, and so you're already just like, let's do this. So let's uh, give each other a hug and then a tug. By a yeah, hug, a hug and tug. tug. Yeah. yeah. Like a soak and poke. That's you when there's it. jacuzzi involved. Oh, yeah. uh, so there, by day... You, you know there's jacuzzis on the cruise ship, Chris. By, by day... I know. I hosted Shipmates. Um, by day... Uh, let's reboot Shipmates on the Atlantic Ocean Comedy not, and Music Festival. Let's not, re, let's not reboot it. It's a date between John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats and uh, the beautiful and charming Nellie Mackay. Well, at this point, what's like been, with what's been going on lately, the whole new element that would be added to Shipmates would be boats just blowing up and, <laughs> and fires <laughs> and power <laughs> outages. And shit backing up. Yeah, and shit backing up. Wait, there was, there was is, a fire is, on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Oh, okay. I thought you meant that was an important part the, no, no, no. There have been of so syndicated dating there have programs been so now with explosions. Many, yeah, yes, Michael Bay's shipmates. Uh, there have been so many like cruise. We had to book ours. We booked ours on a really classy cruise line. And because there's classy cruise lines and then there's like frat party cruise lines. Like right. Carnival is where all the shit explosions have happened for the most part. And that's like a total frat party right. cruise line. And so we booked ours on a really fancy one, but some people made the mistake of booking theirs. Like the, you know, uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Sure. Yes, you may have even met him in passing, I've just from had, handsome television cancel. host parties. They had to cancel their. Yep, cruise. we have those. Yes, so Mark, uh, Mark McGrath from uh, Mark. Like I know it was, I'm it was Sugar Ray and Friends or Mark McGrath and Friends, right? Yeah, it was Mark McGrath and Friends. It was Sugar Ray, Smash, Smash Mouth. Mouth, Cracker, The Gin Blossoms. Yeah. Um, it was a real murderer. You can row. actually go, still go see that show at the Hollywood Bowl or the Greek soon. And so, Mark McGrath, I initially announced that he was that his cruise was our bitter rival cruise, and I was going to make a series of videos taking down the Mark McGrath and Friends cruise. Almost too easy, but you know, I mean, I needed something to just hang by, my hat on, promotionally speaking. Just by mentioning it, it's taken it down. And so I mentioned it. And it got and it and I destroyed it. And it folded like five days after we announced BoParty.biz. And so now I feel kind of bad about it. Because uh, while I'm not a fan of Sugar Ray, um, Mark McGrath, from what I've heard, is a really decent guy, and he's famous for being great on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, which which is amusing to me and delightful. And so I am I have been every week in the uh both on Twitter and every week in the uh, in the credits of my national public radio program, been inviting him to come on BoatParty.biz. And so here, you guys have a big audience. If anyone knows Mark McGrath, at my expense, Mark McGrath can come to the Atlantic Ocean Comedy Music Festival. We'll have him do a duet with John Roderick of the Long Winters. 
will have if he wants to sing a song with the Nelly The long-awaited Roderick McGrath duet. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Nelly, Nelly McKay can do one of her famous Doris Day sets, and she can and he can chime in as... Uh, I don't know. I, I Do you think Mark could sing backup on the shuttle disaster song? <laughs> I think I think I w- wouldn't you like to see Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray collaborating with Dan Deacon? You know what I mean? Like yeah, an sure. ecstatic electro dance pop I song would, with I Mark McGrath grow, on vocals. I would go on a Sugar Ray cruise, but I just want to fly. <laughs> I just high five myself. Yeah, cuz <laughs> no one else is going to do that. <laughs> But can you see? Can't you see? It's late at night. It's late at night on the on boat party that bitch, right? It's a, you're at the bar. Mark McGrath and fucking Mark Marin are just sharing wisdom, just shit they've learned in their forty some years on this planet, just getting serious, right? No, no, you don't see that. I have no, I have no urge. Sugar Ray and Bitter Ray, come on, hey. guys, what are we? doing together <laughs> he could teach a class on tip frosting oh he could was, he yeah, genuinely that... no i mean i'm he from what i've heard i've Shit. talked to some people i, I who did have the met joke him. wrong i'm sorry i gotta go back okay i should have said sugar ray and sour ray what's that because you uh, were saying mark mcgrath and, and Marin. oh sour, sour is their sour. antonym yeah, yeah. antonym of... yeah it's Antonym. Well, you saved the joke. I mean, I think we can all agree. <laughs> Katie, could you make a note to edit that? <laughs> Just want to make sure we get it clean. Also, Mark and I are friends now, so I kind of yeah. like taking a. I don't. I don't even mean it. That's how friends act. Somebody, somebody sent me a tweet that said their picture of the whole cruise is just it's nighttime, field of stars. Mark Marin is leaning over the prow of the cruise ship, and he's got his arms spread wide, and he's bellowing to the heavens. Are we good? (laughs) Before it cuts to Mark McGrath uh, uh, painting a nude silhouette of Marin (laughs) while he's wearing the heart of the ocean. Um, I'll take I'll take what I can get. Are you? uh, 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 So when is the cruise? The cruise is in September. So Max Funcon in the spring, cruise in the fall. Exactly. That's nice. It is. How do you, how do you feel about growing the the uh, the sort of the network and how's it been for you so far? It's hard, isn't it? You work, you just work all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not constitutionally a hardworking man, but I am. Um, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time not starting new projects and a hard time dropping uh, things. So I just add a new 10 hours a week of work every year for the last 10 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like and luckily we've ma- we've finally managed to come up with enough stuff that I can make a living from all this crazy stuff, you know, despite the fact that we still only bring in from being on the radio with the, the whole idea was to support The Sound of Young America now Bullseye, my public radio show. Because I was so excited because I was the, you know, I was 26 and I had my own, na- or 25 maybe, and I had my own nationally syndicated public radio show. But the thing is, is is you just, you start one thing and then you start another thing. You know, we started Jordan, Jesse, Go. It was like, this is the best. We started a show with Hodgman. I'm like, this is really fun. And then all of a sudden you're just working every hour of every day and your child doesn't recognize your face. Your wife wants a divorce. Do you have something you want to talk about? Yeah, Mark. I mean, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get McGrath in here. It is. It is. It. It's hard. It's hard to do all those things at once, and um, and definitely having a kid has has made me think that maybe I'm doing life wrong. But um, I am really proud of. <laughs> I am really proud of the work that we do. I don't know what you're doing wrong. I mean, you you basically work on stuff you love i do and you've managed to build a whole uh thing around that and you make people happy and you bring people together and it's all it's all super upbeat and friendly and positive i'm and really supportive i'm really proud like when i think about what i am really proud of about maximumfun.org i i think of um some of the other folks in our network who are getting paid for their work because I set up this thing. And that actually, like if I think of the McElroy brothers from My Brother, My Brother and Me, who I think are so funny and brilliant and, you know, our their show is much more popular than any of my shows, honestly. 
Um, I'm just really excited that they're getting paid because we set something together, put something together to get them paid. And, and it's happening without, you know, without anybody having to compromise their, you know, morals or sell something they don't want to sell or be gross or anything like that. Or, or Dave and Graham from Stop Podcasting Yourself. You know, they're just the most wonderful, brilliant, funny guys. And it's like, yeah, they, they, get, they get a pretty fair amount of money. Or Jordan for that matter, yeah. you know, like to, to get to be able to give Jordan a significant paycheck every month for coming in and doing this show with me and, and fucking a lot of your listeners and just, just plowing his way through our listener base. Seminars by first. day, seminars by night. <laughs> <laughs> just I find myself again. That's another maritime joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy that one. <laughs> it all comes back around. <laughs> So uh, is there anything specific that you want people to know about or anything that we can help you promote? Yeah, well, I mean, if I mean, obviously, if you're if you're looking for an awesome comedy and music cruise, previously mentioned music performers, plus some Mark Marin, Al Madrigal, John Hodgman, Nick Thune, lots of great stand up comics um, and others, BoatParty.biz. And, you know, I host this. Uh, we just started with National Public Radio with Bullseye uh, three three months or so ago. And we're starting to really pick up some steam, pick up stations, pick up podcast listeners. And I'm really, I'm really proud of the show. I think it's the the best pop culture interview show out there. How do you differentiate that between when you think about Sunday Young America and then Bullseye? Do you think of it as an extension or an evolution or just a separate? A separate it was idea? really an evolution. I mean, there was a lot of things. One thing is that when it was called The Sound of Young America, like a lot of people were creeped out by the name because they thought it was like a Nazi youth organization or yeah. something like that. Um, and, and we, we were always, I was always talking to program directors of public radio stations and they'd be like, well, Bootsy Collins was on your show. He's not young. They'd be like, it's not literal. It's yeah. not a literal thing. It's, it's a, a cool name. It's a fun name. It was a slogan of Motown records. Um, but so we wanted a name that, that reflected the fact that in, in, in my mind, what the show is ultimately about, I mean, it's an interview show, but it's ultimately a recommendation show. So it's about those of us who work on the show, you know, we live culture high and low and it's for, you know, it's the best stuff, the best of everything. And, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's Ian Mackay from Fugazi and he's 45 or it's, um, or, you know, it's, it's a fashion journalist who's 16, which we did Tavi Gevinson recently. Oh, and really? she's a totally brilliant and amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's the best stuff. And I think the interviews are really good. We've had some totally awesome guests. Nobody that hasn't been on your show, unfortunately, probably. We've never had Ian Mackay. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You blew it big time, assholes. I've always wanted Fuck him. you. <laughs> Get Mackay. first. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, if if you were disappointed by um, uh, Chris and Jonah's take on uh, Seth Rogen, it's coming up on our show. Or if you were you or disappointed, that... <laughs> like people have to be disappointed. Yeah, well, that's what I think. That's how it works, right? People listen to this show, but they don't like it. They're looking for something better. I say, listen to my show. Is that is that correct? I think that's fair, right? I mean, there's, it's totally. It's a less. If you want to know what it's like, it's like a. It's not. It's not a chatty show like this show. It's a. Re, it's an interview e show. It's sort of like a less emotionally exhausting WTF. <laughs> <laughs> like you know how. Like I really love. I me and uh, uh, me and a friend who also work on uh, bulls who works on Bullseye with me produce Mark's public radio show. And Mark's a friend of mine. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. But at the end of an episode of WTF, sometimes you're just like, "Whoo, jeez." And uh, we we try not to have that part. Yeah. In a good way and a bad way. I mean, it's like you've really been through the ringer. Because <laughs> you, you take a serious It's like watching journey. Kramer versus Kramer or something. <laughs> or Breaking Bad. Yeah, or Breaking Bad. Or afterwards, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, Breaking I felt, Bad. I, I, I had a lot of feels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, awesome. Jesse, it's, it's lovely to see you. And I, my humble apologies that it took... Uh, so long to have you on the podcast. It was well, certainly not the intention to take this long. I'm just happy that when people email me and say, when are you going to be on Nerdist, I can send them a link to this. Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, this isn't know. going on. We're going to hold it oh, for this, a this while. Is gonna, this yeah. Yeah. Kinda, no, that's fine. I understand. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. You, You've just, got a lot of really amazing people on and I'm the host of a marginal NPR show. So I say don't air it. 
That's my recommendation to you. All right, we won't air it. That's reasonable. And this is this is just for us. Yeah, I yeah. just want to have a conversation. It's just good to see you guys. We wanted to create a weird thing so that every time we see you, there can be that like, oh, we're going to put it up next week. You yeah. know, it's like we just wanted to create that social situation. One time I accidentally deleted an interview with Bill Burr and I felt so bad. So horrible. It was a really great interview. And the problem, and I just told, I just emailed him and said, listen, in two years when we've both forgotten the content of that interview... We'll do it again, and it'll be fresh again, yeah. and it'll be great. And we did it. He was amazing the second time, but I felt bad about it for five years. Ugh. And you feel okay about it now? I feel better about it now. It's time to let it go. Put it in the you know, Bill, put it in the Benjamin Bixby shirt balloon and release it into the. Bill Burr forgave me, but will I ever learn to forgive myself? You should. Thanks, Mark. I mean, Jonah. Let we good? Go. Let it go. Enjoy a burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by LegalZoom.com. Whatever your legal document needs, LLCs, wills, trusts, trademarks, and more, they've got it. Over 12 years and 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom. Start your business or protect your family today at LegalZoom.com using the offer code NERDIST. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th. 